You are now listening to Startup 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 Soundboard. Startup 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 Soundboard. Brought to you by Mass Challenge. Mass Challenge. Hello, everybody. Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us for an episode of the Startup Soundboard for January 13th, 2015, the International Expansion Edition. In the studio with me today, as always, is my colleague, Shannon Sullivan. Hello, Shannon. Hello, Gibran. How are you? Good. How are you? Happy New Year. Wonderful. Wonderful. Uh, Today, we have two uh, very special guests. Uh, I want to introduce uh, Taylor Aldridge, the ambassador of Buzz for Grasshopper. Hello, Taylor. How are you guys doing? Wonderful. Did you have a good New Year? Yeah, I I, um, I stayed local, so it was was fun. Um, One of the first low-key New Year's I've had in a long time, so. Change is always good. Um, I would also like to introduce... Uh, another one of my wonderful Mass Challenge colleagues, Kara Shermantine. Hello. Hi, Javon. How are you? I'm doing great. Did you have a great New Year's as well? I did. I went out to San Francisco. Oh, back home? No, that's not back home. It is that's... home for me, so yes, it was really nice. Awesome. And now I'm back in wonderful Boston. <laughs> it's cold. And it's cold. <laughs> so um, thank you guys for coming here today. We have a great show. Uh, we brought you on, guys on here today because both of you uh, are um, experts in uh, international expansion. Um, actually, Kara, uh, you, you just got promoted to a new role in Mass Challenge. Can you tell us more about that and what and kind of work you'll be doing? Thank you. Yeah, so uh, I am the Director of Global Partnerships at Mass Challenge. I'm focused on building partnerships with international organizations around the world. Um, as well as helping Mass Challenge expand overseas and operationalize our vision of catalyzing a global startup renaissance all around the world. Taylor, tell us more about your work. Uh, Grasshopper, yeah. So um, beyond the domestic side of running, you know, I do all our PR buzz and events and kind of act like the human face of Grasshopper. Uh, we've been working on a lot of the UK expansion as well, and so I'm running all the efforts that entail PR and talking to bloggers and getting on people's radars so that we can get people to start using our product, except we have nobody living there. So it's obviously a challenge, but that's my role at Grasshopper. Look at both those domestic and the UK expansion and all the PR blogs and events that we can possibly get involved with. Yeah. That's my role. Yeah. UK so, expansion. Yeah, Something it's so that's a common both, everyone's mind. Both our companies <laughs> are expanding to the UK. So I guess the first question we can start out with is first of all, why expand? And then second, why the UK for each of you? I guess you can start, Kara. Sure. So uh, I think, you know, back when Match Challenge was founded, we always viewed ourselves as a global organization. And we always had the mission of helping entrepreneurs win all over the world. And I think originally the idea was that we could do that from a, just a Boston base, right? Startups would want to come up from all over the world to Boston to get connected to the world's most high-impact resources and to be able to scale from there. Um, but what's happened over the past few years is that we've really seen entrepreneurship become much more global. And we've seen this proliferation of resources and movements and governments focused on entrepreneurship and really seeing the potential of the impact that entrepreneurship can have uh, globally. And um, what we've also seen is the benefit of creating new hubs, new mass challenge hubs, where 
high-impact entrepreneurs can gain access to resources through this sort of facilitated platform mechanism, which is central to the model of Mass Challenge. So um, we saw London as a really important strategic location for Mass Challenge for a couple of reasons. Um, one is that the government placed a really important, strong emphasis on entrepreneurship, uh, really starting in the past couple of years. And uh, Massachusetts has always had really strong relationships with London, and they were strengthened by a couple of visits from Prime Minister David Cameron uh, over the past couple of years, in which Mass Challenge was able to be a part of that, and our CEO, John, was able to actually meet David. I say that as if I know him, which I don't. <laughs> I've never met him. So <laughs> Prime, <good>. Minister, <laughs> Prime Minister Cameron. Just call him up. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so anyway, so that kind of started it. Um, the Prime Minister invited Mass Challenge to launch in London. At the same time, London was becoming like the super hot location for entrepreneurship and people were coming from all over continental Europe and, and Africa and Eastern Europe and beyond to be in London as sort of the next big hub for entrepreneurship in the world. And so we saw this really awesome opportunity, a ton of potential, and we wanted to be a part of that. And so um, we already have, of course, our program in Israel, which we're also scaling up, but we saw London as a great sort of transatlantic opportunity for Mass Challenge. Taylor, so, is that something that you found similar um, opportunities in the UK? Is that why Grasshopper yeah. is on his location? Well, so I forgot to say earlier what Grasshopper actually does, mm-hmm. but we're a virtual <laughs> phone system for like entrepreneurs, small businesses, startups, really small outfits, consultants, freelancers. So that's why we align really well with Mass Challenge. We looked at the UK because of A, ease of language. For us, it's, it's not, we're, I think we're in a similar boat, but kind of a different boat than Mass Challenge, because for us, it's we're at the end of the day, we're a SaaS company. So for us, the easiest thing to expand is, is well, to expand somewhere is when the language is the same. So we looked at, I think, Australia, UK, and a few other countries where they were English-speaking, and um, settled on the UK since it would be you know, a quick transition. It's close to, we wouldn't have to go very far. And we were also uh, experimenting with, like, kind of, we wanted to see if we could build a new system from the ground up in another country. And how hard would that be? How easy would that be? Because we were looking at new technologies anyway, so it would be a great experiment to see if we could use the new server structure, the new back end, and um, the new like billing process we want to do. So it was a great experiment, and, that's, and now we're bringing all that stuff back to the U.S. and implementing it. Um, the other, I think it was, I'm trying to think of the other reasons why London specific, well, it wasn't really London, but why the entire UK? And I think um, no matter where you are in the world, phones are epically different than the US. And we learned that a lot when we went over there. The view of kind of phone companies is awful. The view of free phone and local is so much different because mobile to any of those, like all the cost structure is entirely different. In the US, we're used to calling someone and it's never a charge, it goes on your minutes or you call an 800 and it's, lo- and it's toll free. Their stuff is epically different. And their view is so warped on that because like it's so, maybe not warped, but so, has such a negative connotation that trying to sell over there is, is insane. And everyone we've talked to from um, Constant Contact to uh, I think a few other companies that have gone over there, we, you have to spend so much time re-educating uh, customers on your product and that how it's different and also to trust you because they inherently don't trust American companies that don't have a location over there and they don't, they don't have like maybe a British person representing them. So did you have to change the product at all? No, no, it's actually the same product. Okay. It was just, uh, 
it was an entirely different marketing structure is what we learned that it. it was rather based on education than anything else. It was saying, no, 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 there's a thing out there that you don't have to, um, like, so one person would, he was a consultant and because he would travel around the country mm-hmm. or in different countries, he had a different SIM card that he would pop in and out so he wouldn't get hit with all these fees. And I said, well, dude, you could just go online, grab a number from us and have that presence in the UK and you never have to change it out and it'll forward for free to your phone. And he was like, are you serious? Mm-hmm. I can do that. And th- they just had no idea that that was possible. So for our product, they're probably about ten, on an education level, 10 years back from, you know, like back when where we were when we introduced a product like Grasshopper to startups here and said, hey, you can go get a phone number and a whole phone system like you would get at any big office for nothing. Yeah. And now we're kind of with Google Voice and all these other options kind of used to phones being very prevalent and working for us at all, to- at all times out there. They're, they're just not used to that at all. Yeah. So you everyone thinks you're BT, British Telecom, and that you're out to take all their money. And you're like, no, no, dude, we like, can do this for like 12 pounds a month. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's, a, it's been a lot of that. So that's been the biggest challenge. But the reason why UK was just a, the language barrier was easy. The excitement was there. There were so many companies already there. So that we looked at partnerships being really easy. It just felt like a natural transition. And it was also an experiment for us to try, could we actually get traction in another country? Mm-hmm. Is our product good enough for that? So that's really interesting how you mentioned that, uh, at least for phones, yeah. um, it, the environment is radically different than in the U.S. Did you have any, do you have like, U.S. staff supporting the U.K. efforts right now? And how challenging is that for them yeah. to sort of acclimate to this new environment? I mean, at the end of the day, we're a bootstrapped company. We don't have any VC funding, so it's all self-funded. So anything we do is revenue-backed. So, you know, we can't go, hey, here's $2 million, throw it at the UK, we'll hire someone, but no, no, it's it's like, we have to build everything with our team, and our product manager who runs all our US stuff also runs that, the UK. I'm on our PR stuff, we have our customer service people all on mm-hmm. that. So, you know, you put people on the UK hours, and everyone's working all hours of the day, which is not bad, but we've kind of backed off a little bit to let it kind of see how it goes on its own with little advertising and SEO and PPC work. But it's been generally all the same. We only have 50 people. So we're all still running that. And it's definitely been a challenge to set. And I think ultimately you want someone there, but if you don't have the funding for that, you kind of have to work at it on your own until it's self for us until it's self-sustaining. Yeah. So that's at like a certain customer amount, right? Like how much revenue are we bringing in? Okay, now we can afford to have someone there. Or, you know, because if we, let's say it never hockey sticks and it just, and it never even does a consistent growth pattern, it just stays the same with little ads, we may never add someone there. Like, you know, that's up in the air. So we're going back to more of a domestic focus because then it'll give us more revenue to put into the UK and stuff like that. So I think also like, I think that carries over like the same dilemmas or obstacles that you'll encounter so like for example mass challenge we have to all participate in launching the uk program because we don't have the full staff over there we keep making new hires and as we are able to support those roles that are not matched yet yeah um so for example there's no marketing team currently like full-time marketing team there so as the marketing team Gibran myself and our colleague Robbie have to do a lot of support um and I can imagine like Kara you got brought in like you basically helped build the partnerships that started the the UK program and that, then you kind of 
let go of some of those responsibilities and that seems to be like your role in general is to do that in multiple locations so right what are the so what are some of the obstacles you encounter like like that like having to scale your work and yeah you know, how do you so actually it's funny I mean we're a nonprofit, obviously but like similarly we're kind of bootstrapped in the sense that we made an initial foray into London about a year a little over a year ago Try to see if we could raise some money and make the thing start. We yeah. were able to find some customers, right? Some potential like, Let's partners. See what happens. And then we were like, <laughs> let's see what happens. So we ended up staffing it and we ended up getting a, a team on board. And at that point, I sort of uh, withdrew a little bit from the UK and started focusing on whatever the next programs and partnerships could be. Um, and so I think that was def- that definitely that sort of transatlantic divide and the whole concept of. As soon as you wake up in the morning, they've already been at work for like three or four or five hours. So on that, what I used to do, I don't know if you ever did this, I would schedule emails to go out between two and five in the morning. Oh, that's really smart. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would put all my pitches and everything I needed to do. Yeah. So it would go out like at that time. So then when I woke up, I already had the responses. So it looked like a nice back and forth throughout that's the day. That's a good one. Yeah, so if you're ever doing that, you are you, use Outlook. Are you using Yesware? No, I was just using Outlook. Oh, okay. That was simple delayed delivery, and yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you have to leave your computer on. Yeah. Quick tip. Yeah. <laughs> people think you're working at 8 a.m. in the morning, 7.30, send an email yeah. like, at that time. That's a good tip. Delayed delivery is probably my best, like, friend I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> it's. I mean, it is definitely interesting de- dealing with those cultural differences of when people are at work and then the time differences compounding that. Um, I would say another, you know, another challenge is, is would be sort of kind of more along the lines of the cultural differences, yeah. I think. Uh, one of our first UK hires always emphasized the fact that people in the UK, and I don't know if this is true, this is his opinion, but uh, being a Brit, he said that nobody really is getting to work until like 9 or 10, and then people are in the pubs in the evening, definitely big pub scene. So it's like, which is not necessarily that different from here, but you're finding like different things are influencing like how you're interacting with different people and the way that you're approaching different people. And, and are you going to, you know, should you schedule that meeting as an 8 a.m. breakfast or would it actually make more sense to have that be like a 4.30 p.m. pub meeting? Like mm. probably the latter. So kind of just inter- like navigating different cultural differences and and, um, and partnerships too. Like, I mean, the office space. Um, so one of our new team members on the UK team was explaining to us that it's extremely difficult to convince anybody to give you something for free in exchange for your partnership. Yeah. So that's something that they had to, you know, deal with there, which is something we here in the U.S. have the luxury of being able to arrange different types of sponsors that support us yeah. in ways that are unexpected or unusual or would be unusual in the U.K. Right. So um, as a nonprofit, it's really important for us. Um, the U.S. has... A much more philanthropic culture than any other country on earth. Um, in the U.S., there's a long tradition back to the Rockefellers and the uh, what are, the Carnegie Mellons and all of those of like people making a lot of money and giving it all away. Right? There's like a hundred year tradition of this in the United States and in other countries, not so much. Um, and so that's definitely about a uh, obstacle that we are encountering in the U.K. as well as other places. Not that they're not philanthropic, just less of a tradition of that. Or there's a skepticism about what the, there's the a value skepticism. is. Exactly. Yeah. Um, which I think is totally normal, and we're just sort of adjusting the way that we have these conversations. I can also imagine in terms of uh, cultural problems on top of um, you know, trying to put partnerships, there's also several institutional uh, challenges that um, come unique with the UK and also other countries that you've traveled to. Yeah. I know uh, we've had trouble um, in the past, with so we have several uh, US staffers who have transferred full-time over to the UK staff, 
And one thing that's unique to the UK, I'm not sure if it's also the same in any other country in the European Union, but uh, anyone who wants to immigrate to the UK and work full time has to undergo the uh, labor market test, which means that they have to uh, prove to the government that there's no one else in the European Union uh, who can do the same job um, as that person immigrating from the US can. So it's, that's a very interesting uh, challenge that uh, at least we're facing at Match Challenge, especially as we try to um, scale our activities around the globe. Obviously, um, we have experts in the U.S. who can come to the U.K. and work full-time and give a huge amount of benefit um, to that program, but it's always a challenge. I think for any startup, any early-stage company that's resource-constrained, visas and immigration is going to be a huge pain in your neck no matter where you're going, no matter what you're doing, and you're going to come across all kinds of weird things like that in all kinds of different places. Yeah. One really important kind of theme within this is like the actually really big difference in the UK, but also in other many other countries besides the US, the relationship of citizens with the government and the role of government in promoting entrepreneurship. Like the UK, for example, has all these schemes, they call them, um, to tax schemes or uh, or financing schemes. Where a weird connotation in the US. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Has, that word has a slightly more negative connotation, but basically just plans or mm. programs um, to support Again, cultural people. differences. Right. <laughs> yeah, to support people to start up. Um, but at the same time, the government has a much more prominent role in the everyday life of the citizen in the UK than it does in the US. And what I've heard from some people, um, or some people's perspective, is that people actually rely on the government much more in the UK than they necessarily do in the US, which leads to an interesting, it's kind of like a double-edged sword, um, especially for a program like Mass Challenge, which traditionally has been a public-private partnership. There's a benefit to being associated with the government, but there's also a risk because the government is associated with other things like slowness and bureaucracy and red tape and so navigating that relationship, which is very, very different and culturally very entrenched um, throughout Europe, is going to be interesting for us. So do you ever find that um, in order to you know, get connected to all these government resources, um, also especially partners, how do you identify, do you have, first of all, do you have re like solid regional supporters? And how do you identify those initial regional supporters in order to insert yourself into that ecosystem? Um, yeah, so from a mass challenge perspective, um, I think that... For us, having that initial invitation from number 10 Downing Street was like very helpful because it enabled us to open doors at the highest level quickly, um, which is beneficial for Mass Challenge because our program is community powered and it requires like lots of big explosions and excitement at the beginning to make things happen down the line. Um, for startups, um, I think that one of the role of Mass Challenge, one of the reasons why having Mass Challenge in the UK theoretically should be extremely beneficial is that we will help guide people to understand what are the different schemes, quote unquote, that can help my startup? What are the different resources that are available through all of these like very recently created bureaucratic structures that the government has put into place to encourage new businesses to start up in the UK, such as Tech City and there to a certain extent London and Partners and the satellite catapults and all the different catapults and the technology strategy board and all of these different things that are in place. So um, hopefully Mass Challenge will help to curate some of that and make connections and provide that at scale, both for UK startups as well as for startups that are coming uh, from different locations, different markets, and looking to access the US, the UK market uh, to, to launch and to scale. And did you face something, uh, did Grasshopper have a very similar path to scaling in the UK, where the government first reached out, or did you, re or did you reach out to the government first? I think this whole, thing, for us, it started as like a, hey, let's just see what can happen. And I, I don't, 
Because like we, we, you guys put us in touch with London and Partners, and I think we're just we're like I said before, like we're sort of in the same boat, but we're a product at the end of the day, yeah. so we're trying to sell to people. Of course. So well, we are too. Don't worry. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're you're definitely it, um you're you're definitely more aligned in the ecosystem style. You're, sure, you're, it's you're very creating it's a different. platform to launch, mm. um, and we're like one of the products you can use to do that. So I can't remember. I, I think we reached out to the government first, mm. but they weren't. It's not as like a needed thing for us, if that makes any sense. Right. Like, you guys saw it as an opportunity. Yeah, for us, it was like, hey, let's use their resources. But for us, it was more let's align with uh, any other like tech stars or accelerators. Yeah, other channels. Yeah, like, you know, we looked at the normal channels, which are the accelerators. Then we looked at the entrepreneur groups Mm -hmm. and then the uh, event organizers that we know, our usual channels that would work really well for us here. Let's try to replicate that there. Let's just on a bare bones grassroots level how would we look at any city here who would we talk to and so usually that's um, community organizers anybody in the meetup area like who have really good audiences and what I found more often than not is the women's entrepreneur networks are the best because and especially like mompreneur or any kind of uh, network like that be because those those people always recommend and their their audiences are so engaged mm. so they will recommend a product and then that audience will follow through on that product mm. or that recommendation mm. so they're very engaged very awesome they've done it's been a great thing for us here and i learned that when i was out there the more i pitched the more i talked uh, that's super interesting yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's, you know, but i found that mom the, especially mom networks because yeah. mom networks are very based off recommendations because nobody knows what do you mean by mom network is that like like i feel like there's the mom blogger in the yeah US, there's mom the blo- yeah thing? that's okay. what i'm saying okay. yeah uh semantic like mom bloggers mom printers. any kind of like community where either a blogger has a site and people participate or there's a meetup group or something like that okay. those groups just are always more highly engaged and I think the recommendations go a longer way. And for us, it's been, a, you know, we've always done a lot of work with Women's Entrepreneur Networks. And in the UK, that translated perfectly. So there's something um, very interesting uh, when you were just talking about um, when you mentioned that um, Mass Challenge helped provide the initial connections to expand um, yeah. into the UK. Well, now, you guys were like six, they were just, I think you were about six months ahead of where we were at the time. Yeah, more And I asked her, you're like, yeah, we were doing that. Earlier in the year. <laughs> so you just put me in touch with all the people you've already talked to. So do you sort of see that, uh, Kara, as maybe an upcoming trend and how uh, programs like Mass Challenge, programs that advocate for entrepreneurship, are sort of like almost like the Marines of entrepreneurship, you know, Opening boots doors, on the ground, yeah. business to make, you know, the ecosystem more uh, approachable to startups. And then other programs and other entrepreneurs can just come in. Do you have that hope, at least for other regions? Yeah, I'd say that's totally the vision. So uh, what we're trying to do, I think, in launching 10 new Mass Challenge programs over the next five years, uh, which is our stated goal and our commitment at the Clinton Global Initiative, is uh, to really create this sort of facilitated access for our partners, for our alumni, for new startups that are trying to apply into Mass Challenge, and so that a startup from Colombia could apply into Mass Challenge in Israel, and through that network get access to a potential customer in London or in Moscow or you know whatever it is. We're hoping to be a soft landing for people in new markets, whether that be for potential customers or for investment or for other types of scaling. So I, I definitely think that's a really important part of the value that we hope to add to the global entrepreneurship community. 
So, where to next? Where are you going next, Kara? <laughs> You've got travel, like, this week, right? Can we, can we talk? <laughs> are we even allowed to talk about it? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's totally, there's no secrets. Uh, we are, so we've got some, what we call bridge program partners, so kind of as a, sort of almost like a testing ground for new potential locations, we form partnerships with different groups in different countries. So, um, we've got partnerships in Latin America and Colombia and Mexico, in the MENA region, in Morocco, um, in Europe, in Switzerland, and in East Eastern Europe, in Russia. Um, so those are some locations that we are going to be exploring more over the coming year. Um, and we're super excited about all of them. And <laughs> we'll see what you know which ones we choose to scale up sort of sooner rather than later. A lot of it is driven by opportunities, by partnerships, um, and by where our alumni are and things like that. So we're, we're very excited about all of these new potential locations. So you're allowed to reveal or uh, put some thoughts into where Best yeah. could be heading next? Um, well, we're definitely going to keep with the UK. Uh, we're not going hard on it. It's still very like subtle. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a pet project of mine to see like how far we can expand it without hiring anyone to do that, right? So that's one. We're launching a domestic in the U.S. Um, ad campaign via radio. Cool. So you'll probably hear us a lot more. Like <laughs> it's 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 huge. The like, uh, stations that we're going to be on. So that's starting this week. Uh, and we're adding a lot of new features hopefully this year because we've done a massive infrastructure upgrade. So we put all the investment instead of into the like UX design side. I mean we have like a good UX team, but the resources have been all on the back end and putting a new server structure in place, fixing. In old inefficiencies, because remember, we're like a 12 year old company, so we just had to, we never overhauled certain things. So we finally finished that. Almost all of our calls are running through this new server structure, which means now we can start adding all the new features, everything we've wanted to do for a long time. So there's a lot of new feature upgrades and back end upgrades just to make sure everything looks like sexy and awesome. So that's where a lot of the work's gonna be this year. And then in general, things for us, the way it works on marketing is everything, you never know what's gonna happen and what our co-founders are going to throw at us. So <laughs> I couldn't tell you what's going to happen this year, but we, we are going hard on National Entrepreneurs Day. That's the other effort we work on. So our company, for people who aren't <clears throat> aware, we helped create National Entrepreneurs Day. We've helped introduce two bills in Congress, one in the Senate, one in the House, both bipartisan. And we're looking to get both of them passed, but political PR is what it is, and it's not easy. We have a lot of organizations working on it, like Kaufman and Legacy Foundation and Participant Media, uh, the Case Foundation, just it's all over the place. So we're awesome. yeah, we're yeah, really going great. hard on that. And if we get that passed, it'll be like an actual federal holiday. That's awesome. Yeah, so we need to we need to get one of the Senate, probably the Senate bill get passed first, because the House is like a totally different beast on its own. Yeah. But that's where a lot of so that work is gonna start probably in February because we have to start lining everything up, right? Mm-hmm. So that's another really big project for this year is make that holiday real. And if we get that, it would be like, yeah, we were the people behind it. And the crazy thing about that holiday is that it started by two immigrants, two Iranian immigrants. Mm-hmm. So that's the other really cool thing yeah, about it is that cool. it's a holiday for entrepreneurs celebrating something so basically American started by immigrants. I think that's awesome. And yeah. that ties back to like the whole theme of how it's so international and yeah. like it's so global and it's all about like transversing these different boundaries. And- yeah. And well, everything we do is always about empowering entrepreneurs. That's why why we work on events with Mass Challenge all the time. Yeah. But everything we do always comes back to how can we empower entrepreneurs beyond just our phone system? 
because we yeah we, we're like we've never wanted to be a phone system company who does these things we're like a really cool company who happens to provide a phone system <laughs> that's how we've always looked at it and so that's why we're like let's create a holiday let's make this video let's send chocolate covered grasshoppers to all our, our friends so I'm trying to think of like really fun things this year so that's where we're at and going forward and we're shooting for like I think like 40% growth this year awesome. without any VC funding so if we can do that, I think it would be an epic like case study too, because you see so many companies that are VC backed, like, oh, we just did this and they have no revenue or they don't grow or they don't profit. So that's another thing is to show that, no, you can do that. It's possible. It takes a lot of work, but. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Kara, is there anything that you want to plug uh, for international <laughs> expansion? Um, not necessarily. We're, uh, there's just a lot of opportunities. There's, it's, I think the most exciting and inspirational thing is seeing um, these really, really inspirational entrepreneurs that have awesome stories and are working on really cool technologies and solving really tough problems. And in cultures or in contexts that can be really challenging or where resources are not immediately available. And so I think that's what motivates us to do the work that we're doing to make that easier for them, to help them gain access to resources quicker, um, and more efficiently. So that's what we're excited about. Yep. And speaking of that, we're opening up our applications process soon for Math Challenge 2015. Yeah. Uh, so for anyone listening out there, if you know anybody or are an entrepreneur yourself who is interested in accelerating your startup, uh, definitely pay attention to Math Challenge. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter on our website. You can follow us on Twitter. We're really excited about Math Challenge 2015. Yeah, launches on February 11th, and it's a global launch in London, Boston, and Israel, all on the same day. I want to uh, say a good thanks to all of our guests. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Yeah, thank yeah, you. Thanks. No problem. I also want to give a shout out to our engineer, Jeff, always super Ooh. helpful. I <laughs> hope everyone enjoyed this episode of the Startup Soundboard, and I wish everyone a wonderful day. This episode of the Startup Soundboard was brought to you by our wonderful sponsors over at Roomzilla. With Roomzilla, booking a meeting room is quick and simple. Roomzilla combines a website in harmony with on-site iPad displays to provide real-time access to reservation and availability information. It even eliminates the stressful need for logistics and social awkwardness around conference rooms, allowing everyone to relax and focus on what really matters. Here at Mass Challenge, we use and love Roomzilla and highly recommended for organizations with large or shared spaces. There is nothing more satisfying to me personally than kicking someone out of a room that's hogging it.